Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This week's guest is Earthquake, as he's called the comedian's favorite comedian. It's an apt title. For three decades now, Earthquake has been known as an absolute killer, a dude that no one wants to follow. Still, despite years of being revered and respected, industry success didn't follow like it did for his peers. That, however, all changed earlier this year with his first Netflix special, Legendary, which was the result of a truly unexpected call from Dave Chappelle wanting to produce a special for him. So finally, right now, it feels like Quake is having his moment. Starting July 9th, Earthquake is embarking on his first headlining theater tour, and he already has another Netflix special planned. When I spoke with him, is during the week of the Netflix is a Joke Festival, and Earthquake was all over that thing. He opened for Dave Chappelle and John Mulaney. He was at a brunch held at the home of the head of Netflix, Ted Sarandos, alongside truly every single one of the biggest comedians alive. It is all the result of how good he is at stand-up. We're about to play a joke from Legendary, and you'll get it. You'll definitely get it. So, here is Earthquake. And black people, we done voted Trump out, but we ain't killed this motherfucker. He's still alive politically. White people believe in him right below Jesus. Oh, they believe in his ass. They just lying to good white folks. Stop the steal. They just stole the vote. Fraud. Irregularity with voting. See, black people, I don't never want y'all ever to say your votes don't count. The reason why they got all these problems and changing all the Republicans, changing all the goddamn rules for voting is because we showed the fuck up. I mean, I tell my white friends all the time, if you're going to lie on black people, at least get a lie that's believable, nigga. You want the whole world to believe that niggas went down there and voted two times? We commit a lot of crimes, but we don't fuck with that paperwork. But you can't say no, you can't tell a Trump supporter nothing about Trump. Oh, yeah, not my Trump. Mm-mm. They love motherfucking Trump. People ask me all the time, Quake, what kind of woman you looking for in your life? I said, nigga, I'm looking for a woman like a Trump supporter. No matter what she hear about me, that bitch don't believe shit. I heard he got another woman. That's fake news, baby. That's fake news. Don't listen to them hoes. They're the enemy of the state. These ain't jokes. I knew Trump was the pimp of all pimps, nigga, when he came here and sent them motherfuckers up here January the 6th. He told them motherfuckers, meet me here January the 6th. They came up there like he was Moses. Just stepping. I never seen so many RVs, pickup trucks, white women with no teeth. They was everywhere. 
And then he came out and talked. Did the speech. Their old motherfucking fearless leader. Right now, they're in there trying to certify the steal. You're not doing anything. They're stealing your vote. If you allow what happened in there, you're not going to have a country. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to walk down to the Capitol and stop them. I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to meet you there. <laughs> Trump went home. <laughs> that nigga was at the crib just chilling. White people was going crazy, nigga. They was knocking shit over, whooping police asses, climbing all on the wall and shit. I was watching that shit on TV. All, all I was wishing is, ooh, I wish I was a Capitol Police working that day. If I was there, I would have been like, pat, 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 pat. What you doing? Saving democracy. Pat, 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 pat. These motherfuckers everywhere. Pat, pat, pat. You ain't gonna use your gun, give it to me. Oh, there that motherfucker with that Confederate flag. Click, click, click. Oh, I would have tore their ass up. I'd have called my boy. I told you be a security guard. I'm shooting Trump supporters on the clock. Don't punch me out, I'm gonna do overtime today. What's your name, boy? Christopher Addicts. Pat, 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 pat. Believe me, if I was working, they would have got off them steps. Stop the steal. Pat, pat, pat. This nigga serious. Back up, Billy Bob. I am here with Earthquake. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so before we talk about this joke and even Trump, I want to give people a sense of your approach to politics and comedy from before 2016. Those first 20, 25 years of your stand-up, how mm. did you think about being political in your act or not being political in act? What times did you feel like, you know, what was your responsibility? How do you think of it before before Trump? Um, I've always been political. My um, all my comedy reflect who I am. It's just what I'm talking about at that particular time. And yeah. politics has always been um covering in my uh in my set when I did it. Um, particularly with Trump, it, it was a threat that I have never seen. Um, politically, mm -hmm. a force. I used to always, and I'm not equating him to Hitler, but I always used to always wondered how did Hitler do mm. it? How you convince a whole nation to hate blindly towards somebody based whatever, religion, uh, color, their skin. Uh, and once, you know, I seen the blind cult following mm. of a man, and personally, I just said personally, wasn't qualified. I mean, he was a... TV show, reality show, real estate agent. Used to, you know, growing yeah. up, you used to have to to be president of the United States. It was a daunting task. Right school, right parents, affiliate. He wiped yeah. all that shit. And um I just had to talk about it. And he was um he was a good salesman and a good what mm. I call a, a he was able to sway yeah. these people with their blind faith so just feel that I had to talk about it yeah um the other 
bit of context I, I think would be useful is um, you were in the Air Force, I believe, nine years. Uh, you rose up to sergeant. But when the time came to um, around the original Gulf War to actually fight in a war, you, you found yourself a way to get, get out of the military at that point. Can you, can you talk me through that thought process, your relationship to the military before that, um, how it sort of reflects how you, you view your responsibility? No, um, my military was one of the best decisions I ever met in my life. I tell my friends all the time, you know, it's a great place. If you ain't got nothing popping, it's a great place to get to see people because we're segregated, especially from D.C. was yeah. segregated. We didn't see that much. So wanted to see the world. Um, it's a great thing. I didn't get out. The, matter of fact, what happened was um, it was my time to get out the military mm-hmm. when the war, the war broke out. But unfortunately, they have this thing called stop loss. And that's anybody having essential jobs, they, they had to stay in because we had war. And I didn't think that shit was right. If the, if the contract over, mm. it's over. How are you going to keep me in longer? If you don't want me, I got to go. But if I don't want to go and you want me, I got to stay. So once the stop loss was over, and I went on and got out. But it was my contract was over. Mm-hmm. And um, like I told him, I wrote a joke about that. I don't mind practicing for war. But y'all's fighting for real. Mm-hmm. I joined the military to get out of my mother's house. I could have stayed at home to get shot at. So that's what the whole thing was about. But it was the greatest event. It was the great experience of my life. Being able to live abroad at times, you know, you were in Japan, having that perspective of living in another country, of seeing America from the outside, do you feel like that informed your perspective when you talk about anything here? Yeah, I mean, it lets you know, in my neighborhood, in my culture, a lot of us are dying and representing the block. Mm-hmm. The block doesn't belong to us, nor the block can never be good for us. The block will be here after you're gone. And if you believe in God, all of this is God. So why would you you know, relinquish yourself to one geographical square inch or mile, what have you, of what your hood is. So I always had that mentality. So I want to see everything. And it opened and broadened my uh, mind. And I learned that we as different cultures have more things in common than we ever have in difference. It's just people bring up our difference because I had a white dude who was my roommate, and this motherfucker ate more fried chicken than any black man has ever ate. This motherfucker was Colonel <laughs> Sanders, bucket after bucket. <laughs> I said, God damn, Jim. He said, it's so good. Have you put the honey on the biscuit? Yes, Jim, but I haven't ate 12 of them. Um, I wanted to bring it up because when I, when I think about your service and then also your your the desire you have to speak about politics, I, I wanted to ask you about your relationship to patriotism. Hmm. Patriotism is, a, especially to be, um, to be quite honest, from a black man, you yeah. have to ask us to love something from the original, the origin, hmm. that did not love us. Yeah. Matter of fact, equivalent, you can say, you're asking a woman who has been with a abuser, to forget what you did and now let's make love again and that was just the bad part of me and I'm yeah. healed now. So patriotism for me is I know I live in the greatest country in the world and I claim it because God has put me here and it is God and it's nobody individual country. And I try to tell 
black people more than it is. We're the most patriot people in the world. Our patriotism can never be questioned because we're the only race that was forced to come here, assimilated in the majority. See, I tell people all the time, look, we didn't have to change our language. They would have came and conformed to whatever language we have, the same way they're doing it for Spanish. Mm-hmm. You call any major corporation, one for English, two for Spanish. Because economically, we can't make them assimilate fast enough to get their money. So what we do, we'll make an easy way for them to get their money. And not to beat around the bush on it, but we, as black people, our patriotism can never be questioned because we're the only people who fought and died for a country that did not love us and still part of it don't love us. So our patriotism should never be questioned and I would challenge any race that live in this great country to show me where you have that on your bio. That at any point you was here and the country hated you. The laws were put against you. Um, Where you live was put against you. The food you consumed was put against you. You could not hide among the masses because your pigmentation was able to identify these group of people. There was nothing for us. So it was easy for us, you know, you know, they put in the LPQ, I don't know all the alphabets about it, but my gay brothers and sisters is, they can assimilate in the mass of the population. My Jewish brothers can, can assimilate in the mass of the population. You have to talk to them to let them know they're Jewish. You have to talk to them or whatever clothes they wear to let them know they maybe be gay. You ain't got to talk to no black man and say he black, motherfucker. You see his ass is black because his pigmentation is his identification. So it seems like talking to you in, 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 in your comedy, part of to, to be American or be patriotic is to tell the truth of all of it, to call, you know, once something's fucked up that's happening, you acknowledge that it's fucked up, but still, you know, acknowledge that you're here and 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 believe it could, I mean, I guess, I don't know if it's to change, but it's a matter of telling the truth and, and not denying the past or the present, I guess, in the case of this joke. Well, the problem is, History is his story. You know, we're going through this right now. Prime example, I tell my friends this now. You have all these people right now sending great money, and I pay a lot of taxes, to Ukraine. Billions of dollars. And what are they standing on? They're standing on democracy. A superpower, which is Russia, invade a sovereign country, which is Ukraine, killing them, dismantling everything they got, over to take over that country because they feel, with whatever reason, that shit belongs to me. I want it. You need to be this. You can't be that. And all around the world is condemnation. Everybody sit there, even this old country. We'll stand with you with democracy and everything. Now, the Russian people, since they live under a dictator, they're not able to find out really what's going on. Matter of fact, if you're a reporter, you can't even criticize the president nor bring the word up war. You do 15 years. So the people don't know what's going on in this, what's going on in the name of being a Russian, of your country. You don't know. You just hear from your leader. They did this and this and this and it's patriotic. You can do the 
Freedom of Information Act, try to educate the people. Say, no, you have a dictator that's over here doing some bad shit, but we can't get in because he won't allow Facebook. No information platform for y'all to get free speech. Now, once this comes to the conclusion, the war, I bet you the United States, along with the rest of the free world, is going to educate the Russian people exactly what their government did. You expect for the, the, the government of Russia to acknowledge what they did. Some say, some say it's war crimes, some say it's genocide, that's up for the historians. But we should have an open conversation in what you did and should never be forgotten. Just like what never happened to not what happened to the Jews with the Nazi in Germany and all. Yeah. We as black people are the only culture when we try to bring up the tragedies, the tragedies and the things was done to us. We don't need to hear that. Come on, man. You're going to make good white people feel guilty. You're not a victim no more. We never said we was a victim. But why is it you use our money for another country to propel them for their democracy and for their to be telling their story. But you don't even want to tell about the atrocities that was done to us or nothing on it. And if we put a book out or we even try to educate it on it to the kids, now we're brainwashing mm. your kids. We're making them feel guilty for being white. We're around here on it. Well, hold up, man. The same thing happened to Ukraine that you're so appalled of happened to us. A superpower came to Africa, grabbed their resources, which was their people, brought them back here, made them work for them, rape and pillage them of their name, of their culture, everything, made them assimilating, work for no money on it, and you give us one month out a year and say, God damn it, that's your history. That's your history. We don't want to talk. What about when you get, oh, come on. I didn't know no slaves. Why we got to bring this shit up? Were you a slave, Tyrone? No. You have a good job. You're playing basketball. Fuck are you crying for. You did well. Pull yourself. But let me ask you this. And I say this to my Caucasian friend. Where would you be if your great-grandfather or your grandfather could not contribute to your mother and your father? The most expensive period, the most expensive expense for any business is labor. Mm -hmm. You had free fucking labor. You know what I could do if I had a motherfucker working for me and I could just sit on my <laughs> ass and think? <laughs> Mother my kids. If I feel bad, I can go down there and get up my rocks off <laughs> with no recalls. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Where would I be? If Just think if you, anybody that owned a business, suppose you didn't have to do payroll. Suppose you didn't have to do payroll. You ain't had to pay for shit when it came to labor. Matter of fact, you just come in there one time and fuck your waitress. Mm. <laughs> you ain't feel good today. Give me some pussy. And then when you get up, finish doing that, go up here and, and my kid needs you to give him a uh, sit in a bath, shower, clean him up because I'm having company later on. Imagine how good your life would be. And you can identify these people. They cannot assimilate inside or nothing on you. You know them by the pigmentation of their skin. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Your selective outrage is very fucking insulting. Mm. 
to black people every day. It's fucking insulting because the same thing you're showing every day on CNN that you appall is your great grandfather did it to us. Your great grandfather did. We was your first Ukraine, motherfucker. Russia is not grabbing them, bringing over them, making them build shit like that. They're killing them. Hmm. <laughs> you didn't do that. And so that's all we're saying. We don't we never victim, motherfucker. We prosper under those circumstances because we contribute. And there's yeah. nothing that you can say that we didn't. But what I am saying is have some compassion. Have some have the same compassion you have for some people over there. Have the same pigmentation you got from Europe. Have that same one from that, you know. Yeah. From Africa. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so January 6th, the insurrection happens. Right. What is the day like for you? What are you feeling? I said, these white folks done snapped. They fucking snapped. But I seen it coming. Yeah. I was talking about it coming because I'm in the politics and I know, and I'm a comedian and I could see how he was swaving them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I understand it. Trust me. And that's what I try to tell my people. I mean, it's human nature. I wouldn't want to give all this shit up and share it either. <laughs> shit was going well for me and the whole night. I feel you. Yeah. You understand? No one never want to give up their privilege. So I understand it. But but the, what I don't understand that you deny it's a privilege. Mm. That's where I don't I don't get you. You know, see one thing I say about a pretty chick, she knows she pretty. White people don't want to realize they white until nigga they're white. I can't do this, and you don't want to sit here, yeah. and you're shocked. Oh, so that was an attempt to overthrow the government. Now, had that been drugs, you would have locked up every motherfucker that was there because there's enough fucking evidence for a conspiracy. If I, my brother, was to sell cocaine and he gave me $500 to get me a house, you have the right to take the house because that money came Mm -hmm. from an illegal source. And you do it every day in the hood. These motherfuckers organized this shit, put it together, said stop the steals, put fake electors in there for the electronic uh, college, Hmm. for for the college, had phony electors to come to Congress, sit down here while they was verifying the changing of power. And wanted to interrupt that, and nobody ain't saying nothing. You have a branch of of of, of a political party saying that wasn't nothing. The fucking it was like a picnic. But you mad for a black person who marches for tired of being killed on the street, unarmed by a police, and throwing our anger, we go in the footlock and get a new pair of Jordans. <laughs> we need. <laughs> The National Guard sent out on us. We need to be shot in the motherfucking street. We need for you to say, look at this fucking anarchy. You know, white people use those. Anarchy, look at this. This shit is just, look at it. It's just in the street to crying. But these motherfuckers go up here and try to stop the changing of power. Mm. And nothing was done. That's why I said, end the joke. 
Had I been a capital city police, I'd have wore their ass out. I left a part out on my special on it, and I, I'm so mad. But uh, I was, and I, I'd have been John Wick up at that bitch. Pat, 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 pat. Now John Wick was killing them motherfuckers. I would have been a black John Wick up that bitch, nigga. It was sliding on the ground. Pat, 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 pat. Come one, John Wick one, two, and three, nigga. It would. <laughs> I'd have been wearing their ass out. You ain't going to use your gun? Give it to me. You understand? What you doing, Quake? Saving democracy. They're trying to stop the, the, the transfer of power. And I'm not going to let it happen. This is America. I was in the military for nine years, and it says to hold up to the, com- the, the Constitution to fight it by, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And these motherfuckers are domestic terrorists. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't get their way, and you used all your legal proceeding, went through court and everything. You want us to set the judge judgment of the court and respect the system. But as soon as the system does not work for the favorite, now all of a sudden, goddamn it, it's rigged. <laughs> now all of a sudden, this ain't right. Now what the fuck are you talk? We've been saying this shit for years. You told us just deal with the consequence. This the best goddamn system it is. Just deal with it, nigga. Happening to you. Oh, oh, oh. Of course, again, the favorite. Ask a fine chick. Stand in the line and you'll see her face. Standing no goddamn line. Look at this. I got red bottoms on in my tight dress. I'm looking cute. That's for ugly bitches to be standing in line. <laughs> Not a bad bitch like me. <laughs> Is Earl here? <laughs> Tell him I'm out here. Um. So you have, do you... I want to ask about the your writing process, which you you'll talk about. You don't have a writing process. You don't write it down, but you do something. You, what what does it mean to go on stage with something? Do you have an idea? Have you thought about it all day? And then what do you? Do? Well, when I say I write mentally, I don't write physically. And what I do is I come up with a, a, a subject I want to talk to and I talk about. And it's more like a person tell the truth, especially in my community. In my community, yeah. Yeah, tell you something. By the time it get back to you, it's a bigger lie. Mm. So that's what my comedy is. It start off true, and it just expands, and the lie gets bigger and bigger. I was fighting one motherfucker. By the time it's ready, it was 15 motherfuckers on me, and I went into my John Wick, and I <laughs> killed all them motherfuckers. Mm. I killed them. And, you know, that's how it is. And for me, I don't have to physically write it because it's like a movie to me once yeah. I – come up with the concept of it, I just elaborate on it and perfect it and perfect it. So I want to go through different parts of the joke just to get a sense of how, what you like about it, how the the thinking behind it. Um, so the the joke starts and you, you, um, you start sort of not in a comedic mode, you start earnestly talking about how like the reason Trump lost was because black people turned out to vote and that was important and that mm-hmm. and and that's why they're now trying to take away your rights. True. Why is it important to have a moment that is just the truth? No, we're not going to laugh. We're just going to you wanted to get that out. Um no because I'm somewhere along the line I'm I'm trying to inform my people as no matter all the previous thing I say yeah. what's wrong with this country, still the best motherfucker out. You know what I mean? And we have always did great at any circumstances we have been in. That being said, I don't want them to be disengaged mm. with the process because this is their country. And if, if you want to make it better or you want to see it better, 
we have to w- make it better during the process and not being a part of the process is not the answer. Mm. It's not. It's just not. And now that, you know, we showed up and made these people seeing our voices need to be heard, the only way they can stop it is by suppressing it. And it's more of us that think like we do than it is for them to think like mm-hmm. them. Nobody want to live in MAGA world. It's boring. It's fucking boring. It's fucking. Listen, let me. I just want to say. No black people don't give a fuck if you don't want to be with us. Mm. Do you with your spoiled, ignorant, biased ass? Ain't no fun with that. Are we saying don't interfere with our growth? Mm. Don't sit around here and tell us this is yours and we should be happy for what you give us. No, you ain't giving us a damn thing. This is ours. And you don't get to determine. But it's certain people. It's like riding in a person's car. You know, they got the attitude, you should be happy you in my car. Don't mm-hmm. touch the radio. Don't tell us where we're going. And if you don't like how the ride is, get the fuck out and walk. And that's their attitude towards us. Yeah, You have no right how this car, where this car, what's the destination where it is. And um, I try to tell my people in the beginning of that, voting is it. Yeah, Find out who, you know, um, covers the... Uh, Issues you cover, be educated on it. It's it's only every two years, motherfucker. I mean, goddamn, it's two years to for you to say I want this person, this person, this person, and this who cover my interests and make them earn your vote. So I was telling them, don't be disenfranchised yeah. with it. In two th- in in your one night stand, your HBO one night stand, you have a joke about Puff Daddy's vote or die and how it didn't work out. And fuck Puffy. Nigga had me voting and shit. Every time I turn on the radio, vote or die, I'm like, this shit must be serious. I ain't hearing Puffy talk this much since Biggie died. I'm standing all in line, the line's so long, look like they hiring in that motherfucker. But I'm thinking this 1964, I ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. Turn me around, turn me around, I ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. This nigga done lost the election by three million votes. Now these white people got my real social security number where I live at and shit. I'm gonna fuck around and get locked up next week trying to get rid of this white man. Fuck you, Puffy. Stay the remix thing. I mean, it is a joke, but I didn't know if your feeling about voting has changed for any reason from in those last 17 years. No, I think when he did that vote or die, we lost. (laughs) Got it. So he came up short, you know? It was just... Yeah, I think we lost. Um, Yeah, it was was right after the 2004 election. Yeah. So it's it's more the catharsis of, like, it didn't work out. Yeah, the motherfucker boy had more people at the Puff party than at the polls. Come on, Puff. Got to motivate him. But... As a child, I can't even say it. As a young man, um, Jesse Jackson moved me when he ran for president. Because mm-hmm. when he lost, he gave a great speech. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have to go on YouTube and get it. You know, people say you lost, but he said, My running was not in vain. If I gave one possibility for another person mm-hmm. of color to think they can, then my running was not in vain. If it was give one self esteem, for a lady to get my running, me running was not in vain. 
And it wasn't because later, that's why we had Barack, because he saw from mm-hmm. Chicago that it's a possibility he could do it. Yeah. So you just want to let him know, you know, though we lost, keep on voting. Puffy, you ain't pulling them like you used to. Um, so the joke continues. The joke continues uh, by saying, you know, uh, you talk about the crime that they that white people are saying that you guys did, and, you, and you, you're like, black people might commit crimes, but we don't fuck with paperwork. Yeah, I mean, let's be realistic. Think of what they saying. <laughs> fraudulently vote. They talking to us. Anytime white people say fraudulently, <laughs> it's black people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, you know, some fraudulent stuff going on at the meeting. They talk about you, motherfucker. Um, for this to come to fruition, if you never heard ever during the whole time we had this um this experiment called democracy, they have never came up and said it was something wrong with the integrity of the vote. They voted through the Civil War, the World War One, two. Ballots on the back of a donkey bringing them to states and states and all that. None of that. Now we got the best goddamn technology is your phone can move hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's secure. You can get a flight and leave the country. That's secure. But the voting system ain't secure. What Trump said one time, there's more, <laughs> there's more ballots than it is niggas in Detroit. The fuck? I was winning at 9 o'clock. At 9.30, I was gone, and it came out Detroit. And what I was saying about black people, we commit a lot of crimes, but they call it white-collar crime for a a reason. (laughs) It's white folks' crime. We don't fuck with that paperwork. (laughs) That you got to put your name down, get your social security. There is no... So you want the world to believe that black people... Went down there and voted two times. Two times, motherfucker. I went down there and put my name down there two times. <laughs> two times. It's hard enough for us to go down there that one motherfucker time. <laughs> Puffy couldn't even get him. He was yeah. hot during that time. Yeah. Now in 2002, because we hate Trump so motherfucking bad, we're going to go down here and put our name on some paperwork two times. Get the fuck out of here. You lost, Matt. Live with it. <laughs> So the you you then go on that say you'd like a woman like a Trump supporter. What you know you can compare anything, but why did you feel like that's a good way of capturing that? Because blind faith ain't nothing you can tell a Trump supporter. Not my Trump, mm. and that's fuck love. I don't want a woman to love me. I want you to believe in me like a Trump supporter. So no matter what you hear, that bitch ain't gonna believe nothing. Yeah. You understand? I mean, it's as plain. He can say he said it. I could shoot a motherfucker on Fifth Avenue and won't lose a vote. Everybody thought he that's true. He he raised close to eighty million dollars, some exorbitant amount of money. The fight for the authentication of the vote. And he spent not one dime or nothing. He ain't had no lawyers, no nothing. He pocketed all of them. Send me some money. We're going to fight the steal. I'm going to get a bunch of teams and them, the lawyers and teams and Florian and send it in. And he sent, they sent them $80 million. This motherfucker ain't got a secretary. He ain't even going to. And this is facts, you Trump supporter. All the money right now. Ask him, where's the legal form, the legal team that's supposed to be digging up all this irregularity and to steal everything that y'all are sending this money to him? 
He's a swindler. He is. A, I I can't listen. Yeah. You hate the game, you can't hate the player. You know what I'm saying? I ain't hating on. Them. I wish I'm looking at take notes. How do you just swindle these motherfuckers like this? How how do you just get them like that? Is it just charisma? Do you jump on their mother? How do you get these poor <laughs> white people to give a billionaire money? How do you <laughs> how do you get a motherfucker to pay you who would not fuck with you ever in his life? He, this motherfucker's on golf course, and you in the trailer home eating oodles and noodles, and your kids ain't got no health care, no dental hair, but you looking up the end, this nigga in the private jet left you in the field in, in Ohio while he flew off, and you, Trump, Trump, and your poor white ass is over there broke, and he laying in silk sheets talking about <laughs> make America great again. <laughs> Motherfucker's always been grateful for him. He's never been broke. His father was in real estate. He was never been broke. And you allow this all this this snake oil salesman come down here and tapping your shit and you giving him your last. Your last motherfucker. He's a billionaire. And you over this motherfucker, you a dollar there. Yeah. It's just it's crazy. The uh, the um I, I was thinking about this joke in the context of your entire career and and I've always found it really interesting how you talk about romantic relationships. I feel like comedians always are talking about dating on stage, but you're you're there's a romantic quality that you you bring in. There's like a home a hopeless romantic thread. You know, yes. you know, there's, there's, you're, there's like, you're always talking about finding the right one and how you wished the mother of your kids was the woman of your dreams. It, it's. It's interesting. It's interesting what informs that perspective. Well, I'm a terrible scout. <laughs> you know, I'm like the Washington Commanders now looking for a starting quarterback. We went through, I was watching the draft when I'm a Washington everything because I'm from D.C. And they said we had 18 starting quarterbacks since 2018. I said, that's my love life. That's my motherfucking love life. I'm still looking for a franchise player. Yeah, I get these motherfuckers a chance to to be the face of the franchise, and these Tim Tebow, sorry motherfuckers, just can't do it. And every man wants the woman of their dreams to be the mother of their kids, not nobody you just kicking mm-hmm. with, because that first of all you have to forgive yourself for that irresponsibility of allowing yourself to be put in that situation. And then the reality comes to now I'm dealing with somebody that I only deal with in a partial relationship. Now we will have to have a different relationship for the rest mm-hmm. of my life because we're co-parenting. And unfortunately for me, you know, sometimes the people that is the mother of my kid try to inflate the two. And I try to tell women this. A man can be a father without being a husband, a boyfriend, or even a friend. Mm-hmm. Because it's about the child, it's not about you. And um, so many of them equate the two together. And that's when we had problem. I'm like, listen, you wasn't even my girlfriend. So how all of a sudden now that you're the mother of my child, ain't no extra love kicking in. <laughs> now I don't never want no more of this pussy, God damn it! I went in there for a good time, came out with a receipt. Goddamn receipt. Now I got to see you every day. Oh, it was terrible. Shout out to all the men that's living under child support. Stay strong. This too shall pass. 
Uh, so you tag this part with uh, this ain't jokes, which is a catchphrase of yours. These ain't jokes. These ain't jokes. Well, These ain't what, jokes. what does that mean to you? What does it communicate? Well, like I said previously, how I write, it comes out of factual, and I just expands on it. Yeah. And people laugh at it. And I be like, these ain't jokes. This is real. You know, this is what's going through. And that's why it resonates so much with my fan, because they know it's true. And nine out of 10, they're going through it, too, yeah. in some aspect. We'll be right back with Earthquake. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. <laughs> Because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Now back to Earthquake, where we'll talk about the signature Earthquake pace. So you then uh, compare Trump to Moses and how they come out, and you do that little act out. Yes. Talk about that. Talk about what Moses, what about him? I mean, you know how Moses came, took him yeah. through the Red Sea, and they believe in him, yeah. you know? And um, it's remarkable to me, you know? And these are very well-educated people. I mean, I make a joke about poor, you know, white people, but it's some educated people that follow as a part of the MAGA fucking movement. And you be like, how are you so smart, but yet so fucking dumb? And what I mean is, Obama said it so well. I get it, but not this guy. You understand? Not this guy. I hear your gripe. This could be, but this ain't the guy. Yeah. This is not Moses. And you're following him like Moses. Yet you come in our community and you have everything going for you. Everything what I previously say, and you're so judgmental. How could you do with drugs their animal? How could they commit these crimes? No compassion. Then when your kids get cut on meth or drugs, it's a disease. We need to have compassion. We need to uh, give the necessary things to the police, EpiPen to bring them on and have a safe zone for they can do their drugs without being ridiculed. And that's what we said. Yeah. You hold an integrity you want us to have. But this motherfucker had everything and still have everything. And it's flawed more than anybody have ever seen as a human being. And you you just brush it off. He didn't mean that. You get mad at uh, Kaepernick for kneeling on the flag. And you say it's disrespectful for him kneeling doing the national anthem. 
but you says nothing to Trump when this motherfucker refused to fight because he had a bone spur in the back of his thing and he don't even remember what foot it was. <laughs> Which one was it, Trump? Ah, right, it was one of them. <laughs> it was one of them. And he could tell a fallen soldier's widow when he posed a consoler, well, he know what he's what he signed up for. Um, so it gets to the part where it's it's the riot, and you got to be a policeman for that day. Um, do you remember the first time you did the bit, coming up with that noise? Like, what is feeling? I mean, it, it seems like you have so much fun doing this joke. Yeah, because I I go there because that that is that's a black man's dream. <laughs> you can shoot some Trump supporters. You know, <laughs> on your job. <laughs> you understand? Know I mean, that's why I try to tell my people all the time, be careful. There's some police out here. Not all, but it's some police. I call them Luther Vandross. Give me a reason mm. so I can take your fucking life. Give me, put it in that. If I can get you there, I can get you. And I was, I was playing the negative ego off of that. You sitting there and Motherfuckers there, and all of a sudden, you here you see a motherfucker coming up there with a Confederate flag and calling you the N-word, and they actually trying to break the breach of the Capitol while you're doing a transfer of power of the greatest country in the world. God damn it, give me my pistol. <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> I'm going to hit the first one coming up that motherfucker. All you had to do was shoot the first four. The rest of them would have backed the fuck up. Trust me. If you would have shot the first two on them steps, man. But then again, they would not do that because they look like them. Mm. Had that been reversed, had that been Al-Qaeda, had that been Black Lives Matter, had that been anybody else trying to stop the will of the people, it would have been a massacre on that motherfucker. I mean, the... The joke is so good, and part of it is there's that part where you can tell there's a hypocrisy and also the juxtaposition of, like, this is such a dark thing. Like, you're acting out killing, like, hundreds of people. Yes. Because you are. it is so silly how you act, how much fun you're having that it allows you to be like, he's just fucking around. But also you're like, though he is telling the truth, but it's 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 yeah. truly a fantasy. Well, it's true a fantasy because quiet is kept. Black man knows if he kills a white man. Mm. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah. Ain't no, it's no way it'd be, I can't even, you better have all your ducks, not in a row, the motherfucker better be in the refrigerator, in the basement, they put, fuck a row. <laughs> you kill Johnny, <laughs> you best, hey. So it was more of, if I was Caucasian and standing on being um, on the steps, mm-hmm being um, uh, patriotic. That's why I had a part of the joke. I said, yeah. They're like, what's your name? Boy, Christopher Addicts. Because hmm. that's the first black man died in the Revolutionary War. And that, which is, I want to send me that. I stood here and tried to stop them from coming up, from doing what they're doing. And um, that's how it all came together. I wanted to just let them know, if you're going to sit here and say, that person who was on the plane that was destined for Washington, D.C. doing 9-11 and they fought and made the plane go down earlier before it made it to D.C. is a fucking hero. 
than that one black cop shooting all them Trump supporters trying to get over there and stop the will of the people. It's yeah. just as heroic. Yeah, I th- I think the the Christmas Attic stuff is really interesting because I think it's it's underlining that like this is you're defending America doing this. True. Yeah, this is not about it. It's not. Um, that white people are subverting America by doing this, Th- that they are being, they think they're being patriotic, but they are being terrorists. They're doing the opposite thing. They're trying to destroy this country. Well, and they, they'll never look at it as, you can never look at your own as you feel you're doing wrong. They feel this is their country, theirs. Fuck the democracy, mm-hmm. one vote equal one man. This is ours. Fuck that, this shit don't count. I don't like it. I was told it was stolen, my vote, do something about it. Show courage. And he lit the fuel in the fuel. He lit the fire to the fuel and it exploded. And we have this saying, they have the white away. Mm. <laughs> it's their way, not the right way. It's the white away. If you're white, it's your way. And you have to, you feel you have the right. And you'll hear it all the time. And they feel they had the right to stop what was going on. Part I laughed the hardest at is when you run out of bullets and then you throw the gun at them. Throw it at them. Yeah, I got that out of, I forgot what movie it was. And it was just throw it at them. Nigga. I ain't got no more bullets. I'm trying to stop you any way I can. Uh, you mentioned John Wick. Were there other parts to it? Were there other riffs that you had? You yeah, know- I had a couple of more, but the John Wick was the one that really disappointed me that I didn't put on it. And, you know, like I said, I see it and keep going. I don't have a routine set, and I don't know why the John Wick part didn't come. It would have took the special to a higher level. Mm. And while I was doing it, I really wanted to make sure that I was competent and I didn't try to put too much mm. in it to overshadow it. You know, just let it flow. And then I'll come get you on the next one. You know, I, I'm really interested in how you you build and edit jokes because I feel like, you know, some comedians are like, I got to, everything about this topic, I got to talk about this for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But I feel like you are like, I'm giving you the funniest part and then we're going to move on to the next part. Yeah, I don't believe in elongating. You know, just, I don't have fillers. Mm. Let's get to the subject, make the point, and move on. Yeah. It's kind of like my jokes are like a debate class. Make your point and move on. You don't have time. See, I'm explaining how it came through. So a lot of comedians put that aspect of the joke out. I come up with, okay, that's what I want to say. Now, how do I compress it Mm. into something funny and still make it what it's saying with as few words as possible? Yeah. You know, when you come from a big family, they don't give you a lot of time to talk. So you, your shit got to make it when you get the mama. You ain't got no time. And, and I was going outside and it was a, what the, the fuck are you? I, can I go outside? That's yeah. it. Just get, can I go outside? Don't beat around. Can I go outside? That's that's just how it is. Yeah, it's a matter of like, the you. we're literally talking about it for half an hour, but all that half an hour is already in that two minutes. You don't need the 10 minutes of being like, this is what it's all about. Exactly. And some comedians put that whole mm. 30 minutes in where I compact it down to two. But see, the thing about that is it's more work for me. <laughs> yeah. Because I need more. Yeah. Because they long game. So that's why I only did, me and Dave came to a point where we, we give you more in 36 minutes than these motherfuckers in an hour. I don't need to do an hour. Yeah. You understand? Quality over quantity. You, you get it, yeah, yeah. You get it. I'm gonna keep you going. Da 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 da. Good night. Yeah, it it 
it speaks to there's a the earthquake pace there's a way in which you do comedy that is I can hear it. It's like incessant. It's like boom, boom, boom. And like, you know, there's comedians who talk slow. There's, they'll talk fast. They'll, they'll speed up. But you are just always on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, how did that pace Yeah, Yeah, um, they call, um, how did a friend of mine tell me? It's like, it's like Jerry Seinfeld, I think. He said he's a fucking machine. Mm-hmm. The way he continues to go. I said, please, Jerry, put that on tape. <laughs> Said my woman ever tried to leave me. Look, Jerry believes in me now. God damn it, this is a white man. This ain't Kevin Hart. This is a white man that believes in me. Um, but no, it's it comes from the inner the insecurity of I I can't I cannot deal with the quiet. Mm. That's why I pace so you have to watch me, and then I keep on hitting you because it's like a it's like a train. Yeah. Some comedians, if you don't get on at the beginning of the show, you ain't gonna get none of his show because you missed it. All mm-hmm. of it late, they got called by. Mine's quick, keep PB. So wherever you pick, come in on. God damn it, you can get on the ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Some comedians, you the shit is you. If you ain't here when he said good good evening, everybody, you done lost this motherfucker. Me with my shit is so short, different subjects, it'll keep you going. Yeah. I heard you talk about one time, you were talking about how jokes are, you can be a four, three, or two, and a one, and right. um, a one is the thing that works every time, and most comedians ask their clothes, but your goal is, it all is one. Well, that's, all of them is one when you go to, um, especially filming. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to always one, and, and to break it down, one is a joke that'll work anywhere, at a funeral Motherfucker, y'all don't care where you crack it. Two is 75% of the time. 30, 3, 50, 4, of course, 25. And your five is just a filler. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Ladies, don't these ladies look good? <laughs> yes. And you know, I, I always say you got to have a strong woman in your life. That's a filler. Mm-hmm. These motherfuckers just filling their time. You know what I mean? So. When you start and you write and you have fillers and then you have to sit down there and write it. Put your strongest joke first, then keep on. Then find another joke that can go behind that. And when you wake up and you got enough ones, you ready to um, put it on a pad yeah. and let it be seen. What I find so interesting is you know you have this sort of relentless pace and you, you have so much confidence on stage but still able to talk about like vulnerable things or things that you might be insecure about or... Um, you know, you talk about your prostate exam in the special. Um, you've talked about taking Viagra when I saw you in the Hollywood Bowl. You're talking about like there, you couldn't be with a bigger woman because your dick game isn't on. That, like, hey, something. I ain't got enough dick. <laughs> me and her can't have a stomach. I ain't blessed like that. For me, a bust nuts, you're gonna have to hold a breath. <laughs> and uh, it's so, but it it is an interesting contrast because you're you're delayed. It's like you're bragging about things that some people might be insecure about, but. E- it it is so to it's like what you're able to do. It's hard to describe. But can you talk about how how you're able to mix that? How you're able to and why it's important to you to not just be like I'm I'm a killer. I'm great at everything. You know. No, self-deprecation is the number one thing as a, a comedian. And I mean, I tell big dick dudes all the time, you ain't do nothing to earn that dick. I mean, it ain't like you won a course or god came down to you and said you are the chosen one i'm gonna give you this you can't take credit for a blessing so you know i mean 
my attitude is the person who matters already knows, mm-hmm. and that's God. So I really don't care what nobody else thinks or when they know it. So that's always been my attitude. Yeah. So I, I want to discuss this break coming now, this big this special coming now. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like I want to talk a little bit about the 30 years before this, where mm-hmm. you've been a successful comedian, like, as the special calls a legendary, you're a comedian's comedian, lots of comedians really, really respect what you do from all across, you know, Chappelle, Kevin Hart, John Mulaney. I've talked to him about how much he loves, he's obsessed with this Michael Jordan joke you have. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're about to perform with him. But, um, you, you know, you, you'll sometimes put like this feeling of when are they going to get to ease in the alphabet when they're giving out opportunities. Can you, do you remember the first time you felt like people were getting stuff and you weren't getting it? All the time. I mean, you're human, but you have to understand what we do is subjective. So what's funny to somebody is not funny to the others. And I try to tell young comedians this all the time. Only difference between me, them, Kevin, Dave, any of the superstars is that they was given the opportunity and they cashed in on it, Mm. which led to more opportunities. But, you know, you could be human and you see people that started with you getting a, a shot and you're like, God damn, when are they going to get to the ease? Mm. And then it's really very uh, discouraging when you see somebody that you know don't have the chops or you know you better have, and they get an opportunity. You're like, all right, come on down, God. This bum, this bum, come on. When are they going to get to the ease? So they finally to the ease now in – I wouldn't have it any other way because I see why God didn't give me it then because I'd be dead Mm. or I would have killed somebody Mm. myself because it's um, this level that I'm seeing, you know, is is you need your body, your mind, your body, your soul support system. You need all that to survive. Yeah. Um, I heard you talk a little bit on Kevin Hart's podcast about he he said it seemed like there's a time some years back where it felt like you really refocused and really like got your I don't know what it exactly meant but you were like I'm really gonna grind it out I'm gonna I'm ready for a shot did it feel like there was something? I mean I was going through my divorce um, you know it's hard Jay Z said it right it's hard it's hard to fight the family you mm-hmm. know what I mean and it weighs on you and um, our family came to the realization that, you know, my kids, my son in particular, realized that because I divorced his mother, I didn't leave Mm -hmm. him, despite what he was told. He left us, no, I left you, you know. (laughs) And to sit back and just pray to God that that contamination that was said to him wouldn't um, turn into him resenting his father and um, and finally see that he didn't and it was so I could say now I could concentrate on my career yeah um, yeah and I mean and though you don't talk about these terms and especially you talk about kids as you're, you talk about how now your kids are 18 yeah the dream. ungrateful bastards <laughs> should have let them save all this money <laughs> trying to win they love and these bastards still turned out wave shit you know yeah um so you you get the call from your agent that the Netflix comedy, the head, head of Netflix comedy, want to talk to you, and he said, Chappelle, want your number to offer you this. Can you talk about that call and what you're like, what did it mean to you, and what did you think when you, you heard this is happening? 
Well, when I got the call from my agent, I thought it was a prank call because they like, got the president of fucking comedy of Netflix, and he wanted to know it was get permission from you to give your number to Dave because they just did a, a oil agreement to produce your special. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was a prank call, so I said sure. Then um, five minutes later, what you doing, man? <laughs> I'm gonna produce your special and everything. I said, "Oh shit, it's real!" And I knew from then point on it was gonna be a game changer because mm. you had the number one um, comic uh, that's gonna produce your special who never produced. And I knew this one right here could do things for me. Mm-hmm. So I knew. Yeah, and and it feels like it has. It came out on Netflix. There's something even especially being you know L.A. this week. This is the Netflix Comedy Festival when we're recording this, and it feels like. Seeing you a picture at Ted Sarando's house, hang out with Jerry Seinfeld. You know, you're on Chappelle's show at the Hollywood Bowl. You're on John Mulaney's show in the Hollywood Bowl. And all the people have talked about it. What does this moment feel like? Um, I told my um, my friend last night, um, I said, I can really sit back and say I've, I made it. I'm mm-hmm. there. I'm at the highest level. Now it's about choosing the product and the things I want to do. I don't have to sell myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it's about choices, what mm-hmm. you want to do, where it is. And it's for all comedians. They might don't say it or not. It's, 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 it weighs on you. Am I going to make it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Am I going to get in that, you know, metaphor of sit, sit at the big table? Yeah. I, am I always gonna be, you know, at the Paul table? Like, yeah, he's funny over there. That motherfucker is over there. But you don't get now. You can walk into any little patch of comedy talk, and then like, what the fuck you doing over here? Yes, they ask your advice, so, so it's 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 a beautiful feeling. Yeah, to be, and was it especially being at that party, like these are my peers, these people. That- yes, and I never went to any of them until I was invited. Mm. I I wouldn't be that dude. You know, a lot of comedians, let me hang around and get in that. No, fuck that. I want an invitation. I want to be, I wouldn't take it any other way. We want you here. You're a part of here. We threw this because of people like you, hoping yeah. like you come. Yeah. So that's what I wanted. The, now that you have a little bit more control to really get to decide what you're doing next, what, what is, what is, what is it like to decide? What's it like to have that control of your career? And what are you, most excited to be like, I want to do this and I get to do this. Well, I want to do movies, TV, and everything. Now you just have to find the willing partner who gets you. Mm. It's about choices. Eddie Murphy said that one. He said it's about choices now. Finding somebody to collaborate with you that sees you. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, almost every interview people ask you why your name's Earthquake. It's it's amazing, without fail. And so I know the answer, but so I'm not going to ask you that. But what, which is, to summarize, you know, just in case it didn't work out, you wanted to make sure it didn't ruin your, your name. How you say, my Caucasian friend, I didn't want to scully my good yeah. name. Yeah. We're not going to scully it. Yeah, it was a, it's an insecurity because... I didn't, this wasn't no epiphany. This was the best decision like I have always yeah. lived my life that day. And nothing better has came along. So after you do it so long and you see you great at it, I say, well, I guess this is my destiny. I don't believe, this is my own personal belief, is if my God and my maker has already 
have the gifts that he wants mm-hmm. for me. I just have to get up in the morning and live through what he wants me to do, and he will show me what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to have because it'll come natural. So I don't make plans. I don't do that kind of stuff. And this was, I went on stage and I people like, this is what you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, but ain't nothing better came. So I guess this is it. So now 30 plus years later that you are Earthquake and you're clearly, you've now made Earthquake a, a worthy name in the history of comedy for yourself. What does Earthquake as a name mean to you compared to your, your real name? Do you feel like you and Earthquake it's the same thing, or when are you earthquake? Are you more? You know what I mean? Oh, like, here we go. This is a therapy session. Um, <laughs> Nathaniel Stroman is broke. Mm. Nickname Pui is broke. <laughs> Both of them motherfuckers. Pui is my nickname. Mm. Nathaniel Stroman is my real legal name, and of course, earthquake is my stage name. The mother two motherfuckers owe earthquake everything. Mm. <laughs> Nathaniel would never get the woman if it wasn't for earthquake. <laughs> so no it's it's been a great ride yeah you know what i mean do you feel like when you walk around you feel like earthquake or do you feel like nathaniel um once i walk out my door it has to be earthquake Mm. i tell people right there if you don't want to deal with that's the privilege of being able to live the standard life i do you have to give back. So, you know, even when I'm dating with my girl, I say, once we walk out this door, I belong to the public. Mm. So if you want privacy and us doing our own thing, we got to go somewhere exclusive or stay in the house. But that's the price yeah. of what it is. So every time I walk out my door, I'm mentally prepared to deal with whatever it is that comes along with being Earthquake. Yeah, it's almost like a superhero costume or whatever superhero and it's an attitude i think everything about attitude is you know no job is perfect i mean perfect and it's the occupational hazard of being who you are Hmm. sometimes i feel like comedians with names or rappers want to become actors they start they do that thing where they then they put the nick the name in quotes yeah yeah uh no i ain't doing that shit that i did it a couple of times no, they try to get me down. Everything going earthquake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you shot the special in D.C., which is yes. where you grew up. But D.C. is also, um, it's not where you moved to after you were in the military. You moved to Atlanta. And mm-hmm. w- what does D.C. mean to you? What has it meant to you? And what is the significance to to do the special there? Oh, it meant everything. Um, it's my home. It's um it's the greatest place in the world. I travel the world. I love it. I love the people. Um, words can't really even describe what I owe to Southeast mm. D.C. And it's, it's everything to me. Everything. And I had to do it there because, you know, D.C., my hometown, is the last place they give homage to. I was still trying to get in the club. Mm. So I said, fuck this, let me go on and do the special. So at least if the shit, the least I can get in and access at my home. Yeah. So yeah. Is it, is it nice that it, it, it does a way of like, I think probably people might just associate it with like as Atlanta comedian, cause not only did you come up at that time, but you had clubs there. So I think you're so associated with that time period in Atlanta comedy that this is like, oh, Earthquake's a DC comedian. Yeah, Atlanta is where I, where I birthed my comedy. I never did comedy in D.C. Mm-hmm. I, it's where I'm from. It made me the man I am. Atlanta made me the comedian that I am. Yeah. You know, 
that's the difference yeah. between the two. I wouldn't change either. Uh, Lana, if it wasn't for Lana, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about comedy. Yeah. Um, the special ends by you saying, this is how we do it, um, and then dropping the mic. What is that communicating? Who is the we? Do what? You know, what do you want to say? That's the final message of the special. Um, what I was saying in here, here, case of standard of stand-up. Mm. If we're talking about funny, then put it up against what said funny. That's all I'm saying. This yeah. is how we do it. What I said we do it. It's a lot of comedians who are very funny mm. and don't get the accolades because they haven't had the opportunity or what we perceive as success, which it is, TV show and the movies on it, and have nothing against that. But if we're talking about stand-up holding the mic, mm. compare. Legendary against anybody's. Yeah. You tell me where it is and you have to deal with it. If we're talking about funny. And the most of the people that you hear about who stars if the their origin came from being funny. Mm. And what I'm saying is, this is how I do it. Yeah. This is how it is. Now put that up against it. Cause I've been doing this my whole career. See, mm. my fans already said that's just quake. Glad y'all came. This wasn't extraordinary. <laughs> this is what this motherfucker been doing years. Been trying to tell you. But this is how you do it. Yeah. This is how stand ups do it. Yes. This is what it means to be a stand up. That's what it is. Um, you're doing a tour. You were talking about how th that that's your name. People are going to come out to see you. Yes. It's called Legendary. Uh, Donnell Rollins. What is it? What's the significance to have a tour that is thousands of people going to come out? Thousands and thousands. Um, solidify you there. A lot of comedians send their own tour and they go to club to club. That is not a tour. Tour is when you and a promoter put you in consecutive different cities with the same lineup and you, your name is on the billboard and they actually come in to see mm. you. I never had that before and I'm looking anxious to see it, get it done. We kick it off July 9th in Chicago. You know, legendary is the is the name of the special. Legendary is the name of this tour. What did it mean to you when you thought of like, oh, these are these comedians are legendary, and what does it mean to then you being considered that? Um, Dave named it legendary. I came up with the song and told him off of it, and then I was like, yeah, I like it, and that's very arrogant <laughs> to name your show arrogant, but it also put pressure to make sure that um mm -hmm. it was up to par. You couldn't, because they would have wore my ass out if I had a fucked up show and they called legendary, Le legendary, terrible. What the fuck that was? So you had to come there. So I wanted all mm -hmm. that. Bring that smoke. Put that expectation, because I knew I was capable of. Yeah. It. You you know what I mean? I just had to get my mind right and decide what I wanted to talk about. But people been, you know, Dave was saying, I know you're a legend because I'm a legend and I know one mm -hmm. when I see one. And when he told me that, wasn't nothing else to do but to go play. Do you know what your next special would be called? Ooh, that's going to be a good one. I talked to Dave last night. God bless him. He said, how much time did you do on the show? Because I was on the Chris Rock when the motherfucker ran up there. How much time did you do? I said about 15 minutes. You think somebody about it, a 15 minute special? I said, I don't know. Well, I do. I think they will. <laughs> so to say, I don't know, but I'm going to drop another one nice. within the next eight or nine months. Wow. That's, you, you just got it. You're in this state where you're like, I, you're, do you feel like it's a state where you're going I've through? I've always been there. Yeah. I rotated. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.
So now it's time for the final segment of the show. It's called the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's a comedy podcast, I call it the the laughing round. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite joke joke, like a street joke? Um, yeah. Uh, it, it lets me know who is really a Quaker fan. And this, uh, it was off of BET, water supposed to be free. How white people going to charge you for water? They don't own the rain or the ocean. <laughs> it's another way to get over. I'm telling you, black people, soon they're going to start charging us for air. I'm going to sit there and talk about, God damn, what's going on? They done turned my air off. <laughs> yeah, and you had black people yeah. down at the air, at the Department of Air. I won't put my air in my mama name. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Um, is there a, a joke or a bit you saw another comedian do that you either wish you could steal or wish you're like, ah, oh, I wish I, I, I thought of that. I know I, I've heard you talk about you don't watch that much other people's acts, but I don't know if in passing you heard yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Dave Chappelle, how you came up with the word nigger. And that was about 30 years. That's when I met him. And it was so fucking brilliant. You know, how did they come up with it? Oh, I said, God damn it. Push the girl off, give me head. I got to get back to work. Listen to that. Yeah. Um, do you have advice for an upcoming comedian? Yes, be original. Remember um, the reason why you got into this. You don't need a show, TV show, or a special to validate your existence and your greatness. And get on stage wherever place you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you have plenty of these, so as many stories you have. Do you have a, a short story of an interaction with a legend? Yeah, I was the greatest, man. I said, <laughs> I was with my girl. I said, get your coat. And she didn't even have a coat. We're getting the fuck up out of here. We might ruin it. We didn't got everything we wanted to. But to have Jerry Seinfeld telling me that one of the greatest comedians he ever seen mm-hmm. and put it out, it's just that. And, uh, of course, Eddie Murphy um, telling me never worry about shit because a fan only blows when you're hot. Mm. I feel like I have a sense of the answer, but what was the last time you bombed? Has it been decades? Has it been 20 years, 30 years? Bombed? No, I can't remember that. I I had, I haven't had great shows. Yeah. I remember one time I went behind Bruce Bruce and or Lavelle, and I said, what the fuck is these motherfuckers saying to him? And uh, my show was all right, but actually bomb, bomb. Nah, I'm too quick. I don't yeah. elongate jokes. So eventually one of them going to get you. It's like Aaron Pryor. Keep throwing. One of these right hands going to catch you. Yeah. That's great. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can watch Legendary on Netflix. For tour dates, head to therealearthquake.com. Follow Earthquake on Twitter at RealEarthquake and on Instagram at TheRealEarthquake. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Special thanks to LOL Studios. Gotham Shrikashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One's production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday. Have a good one. Welcome to Good One. Show about talking them jokes. Mm, son. Hey, 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 good one. It's a good one.